much for this beautiful day, and we thank you for the Word of God. Where would we be without the Scriptures? The Scriptures are the very book of God. It is the book of all books. It is the holy book. And I thank you, Lord, for, for the Scriptures and prayer. Thank you for the Spirit of God who teaches us, who gives us the hunger and thirst for the Word. For, for in the Word we find the Lord Jesus, the Savior, the author of our salvation, uh, the, the Lamb of God who gave his life for us. And we humbly come before thee and worship you and adore you. And we exclaim, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for daily bread and all the physical necessities of life. Thank you for forgiving us of our every transgression, uh, Lord. We, we are sinful men and women. We, we are wonderfully saved, Lord, uh, from our sin through the work of the cross. And Lord, we sin daily. We, we don't want to, but we do, and we want to, as believers, find cleansing daily and washing that our fellowship with you would be sweet as we grow in grace. And we thank you, Lord, that we can release others that hurt us and, and sin against us and hurt our loved ones and others and we release them because it's pocket change when compared to the enormous debt of the totality of our sin that we have sinned against you. And so we're thankful for that and we pray lead us not into uh, temptation. We are frail and puny and small and weak and easily overcome. And so we pray, Lord, for your hand of protection, your hand to cover us as we walk this trod through this thing called life. And so we pray. Lord, we pray that you would meet with us as we gather in a, as a church today, in a church family. There are a multitude of needs. And you know every one of them. You've brought us to a certain point in our lives. And may we grow in our faith and our trust in you. May we be like the little boy with a lunch. And he simply gave what he had to you. And discovered, as thousands did that day, that little is much uh, if Jesus is in it. And so I'm thankful for that. The multiplication of the bread and the fishes that day. And uh, Lord, take us and use us. It's our desire that you would use us in small ways and large ways to be a blessing to others. That we would tell the wonderful greatest love story of all, the love of God for lost sinners found in Jesus. That you want to use us to be salt and light, to rescue the perishing, care for the dying. The only reason we exist, Lord, is for those who have yet to know Christ the Lord and Savior in this community and around the world. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us focus, help us to be obedient, and then enter into the great happiness and blessedness, Lord, of being your servants. We pray for those who are downcast in spirit, Lord, that you would encourage through the fellowship, through the fellowship of the Spirit. We pray for those that need a word of direction and wandering between left and right. Two good choices, maybe, and uh, give wisdom and good counsel. We pray for that. We pray, Lord, for those that are toying and playing with temptation, even at this moment, that you might uh, bring them back to that place where we ought to be, and that we would encourage each other like iron sharpening iron, Lord. I pray for that. Now, Lord, take the word of God and bless this to our hearts, 
Help us to think biblically, live biblically, that we would honor you through these few days of our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I did remember the other thing uh, I wanted to mention to you and urge you. Uh, some of you knew uh, Pastor Santos quite well. And uh, I've received word through his family that he is in the final days as far as they can measure. Uh, and uh, uh, we need to pray for him. He was my predecessor and a, a godly man uh, who did a great work, founder and pastor of Bible Baptist, and uh, was only ever a blessing and a help to me. Blessed is the memory of the righteous. And some of you know Steve, his son, and Steve and has, has wondered why. Uh, the Lord has allowed his dad to live so many years. He's up in, well into his 80s, but he has such dementia and uh, can't even speak and doesn't, Stephen, Steve Tullet can't doesn't even recognize him as he lays in such a low, humble estate for such a great man, so greatly used in our area and uh, has uh, advanced the gospel. Can that anything greater be said of a, a man than their life advanced the gospel uh, during their life? And uh, so we need to pray for the Santos family that God would give grace to pastor and take him right to glory land. To close his eyes and to wake up, you know that song, and discover in heaven. I often think about that at night, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I think of that, you know, because that's my father died like that. In the morning woke up and he was gone, you know. And if God should do that in pastor's life, give dying grace to him. It was about 10 years ago or more that I had his dear wife Mildred's funeral service. Uh, she got breast cancer and with, I think, Susan, you may remember better than I, but I think less than a year uh, she was in heaven. And then he has lived by himself faithfully these years. So, in fact, why don't we, Mark, I know he was a blessing to you. Would you want you to lead and pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time and we ask for a special grace for the Santos family and pastor. Just ask the Lord that you give him dying grace and recognize it's been a blessing to many of us over our lives. Just ask the Lord that uh, we reward him greatly in heaven as he comes into your presence. Uh, peace during these last hours of his, of his life here on earth. Give the family grace, Lord. I pray for Steve, Bruce, Vicki, Lord, and all the family there, Lord, and just ask that uh, give them a special grace during this time to say, see their dad, go home, Lord. That the blessing of knowing that the Father be with you. It's in Christ's name we ask. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Well, take your Bible. Uh, Dan got us started by looking at the Doctor's Gospel. We're back to that, looking at chapter 19. I love this, uh, I love this uh, account because I uh, don't often get a chance to preach about another Z. Z? There weren't too many of us, and there aren't too many of us. <laughs> So you got to love this wee little man. A wee little man was he. And he climbed up into a 
Sycamore tree. And it's, you know, in the Greek, it's the only time the word sycamore, that's actually a Greek word, occurs in the whole New Testament. Right here. And some of us have been at Jericho. How many remember Jericho? You all remember Jericho? Some of you do. And we go like, was that the sycamore tree? No, I don't think so. It's long gone. But he climbed up into a sycamore tree. Another Z. How about there's hope? There's hope. You know, there are a lot of, uh, sometimes I'll see alphabet, they don't even put the Z on. They're like, you know, the last, what, not least. No, my, my, I have fun saying my Bible verses, the last shall be first. Because in school, you know how they put you alphabetically, right? I was always at the end. In the classes in those days, the, we had, you know, like 34, 35 in our class. They didn't have enough chairs. So I'm like standing in the back to let, you know, assistant principal could figure out what to do. And uh, so I was always in the back. The only time I liked being in the back, can I make a confession? Was eighth grade history because that clever teacher, he was a real little, talk about a little guy. He was a little guy. He was kind of a feisty guy. But he did it by this. The, uh, the first, where you're sitting, Mike, that was in the each grading period. The one who got the lowest grade sat there. And then this way, this way, this way, that, and all the way back. Gene, if, if it's only the same. Gene, you got the best grade for the, and I fought, I fought for that seat. That's the only time. Most of the time I was like, ah, he can't even see me. I'm stuck in the back alphabetically. But I thought that was clever. That's the only time. I, anyone ever see that? Good idea. You did? Yeah. Oh, Bonnie, thank you for the name tags. I appreciate you doing that. The idea is not go to take those to the restaurant so they call you by name after. You're like, hi, Susan. What would you like? Or hi, Ron. No. Yeah, where, do you, where do they put them, Bonnie? Oh, there's a basket, so, and some of you are going to walk home with them. You like them that much, but you bring them back, okay? And this is really going to help us save money on it. We appreciate you doing that, Bonnie. Well, Zacchaeus, lost no more. Wow, he, it's a wonderful story, really, and it's so filled with spiritual truth. The setting of it is important. The details of it just shout the gospel and the glory of what God is up to. In a word, Zacchaeus is an example of a rich man who gets through the eye of a needle. How about that? And that's a real needle. That's not sort of a little door in the, in the old. It's God who does the impossible. Uh, he stands in contrast to the uh, rich young ruler who couldn't depart from any of his give, uh, goods and he left, right? Saddened of heart. Well, Zacchaeus lost no more. Luke 19. We live in day that it's commonly thought that people do not change. I say that all the time because that's our whole educational system, our whole society. People are who they are and that's who they are. Now they begin with the wrong thesis thinking that little children are good. They're not good. They're not. They're, 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 they have human natures. They're made in God's image. Right? They, uh, they bear your likeness. The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree unless it's on a hill. Somebody said and it rolls down. But it doesn't fall far. And so, you know, they have your bent, you know. And, uh, and sometimes it's not very pretty, right? I love my, my daughter, she said, she said, Dad, you know, I never realized how selfish I really was until God gave me children. <laughs> and I discovered they're more self, and I saw myself in them so many times it made me lose my mind. 
And I go like, Lord, am I really that selfish and self-centered? And the Lord has a way of doing things like that, rather amazing. Well, uh, you are who you are by nature or nurture, and some of you know that whole discussion. Nature, right? How you're raised. Uh, nurture how you're raised. Nature, your, your genes. And that's it. Good people are good. Evil people are evil. And most are somewhere in between, right? Uh, this is the whole basis of or, or the victimism, right? Uh, it's not my fault. It's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. It's a criminal environment, right? Why, why do we have criminal? Well, the environment's criminal, you know? Uh, the, and all of a sudden, man loses his worth. Women lose their worth of being made in God's image because they're victims. And that victimism nonsense that floats everywhere. Look, you give a dignity to people when you treat them with dignity, and you do that when you hold them responsible. The choices they make are the choices they make. Good, bad, or otherwise. They're not victims, and you're not a victim either. Not to say genes don't play a part. Look at you. Look at, look at that genetic material here, right? <laughs> right? That's right. And you're nurturing. Some of you had terrible home environments. Some of you had wonderful, and most in between somewhere, sinful parents or a parent raised you. That's the way it is. Sorry. Yeah, this isn't heaven. Don't hold it to a heavenly standard where it's got to be perfect. Dad wasn't this. Mom was that. So what? You know, like my father used to say, Zabolsky, what a name is that, Dad? It's a good name. You make it better. Okay. <laughs> you say that to me all the time. Anyway, uh, I, I hope I've not let him down. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, we excuse, not my fault. Well, in contrasting opinion, if the Bible teaches us anything, and it does, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It tells us that God is in the business of changing people. The change brings through salvation results in a radical difference. For he changes us from the inside out, from the heart out, gives us a new heart. That's called regeneration. That's the new birth. That's a, I once was lost, but God found me. He changed me. He gave me a heart of flesh, not a hard heart. He's changed me. He's changing. If the Bible teaches us anything, it stands in contradistinction to the common thought of our culture. Now, some of you saw the film. Some of you saw the play. Uh, we had a key to see it, and then the film, they miss. Uh, I told you one week the man didn't think it was for men to see it, but I, I thought it was very well done. And in the, in the, in the play, Les Miserables, uh, and in the, in the movie, if you saw it, uh, how many saw it? Am I talking to three of us? Uh, okay, four of us. <laughs> Five of us. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, the, the prison guard turned police officer. Uh, Joe Bear, was it, Susan? I knew you Joe Bear. Joe Bear is a wonderful illustration of this. He did not believe people changed. I mean, the redemptive theme that runs through this intentionally really shows the wonder of the gospel and the grace of God and the wonder of our Redeemer. But Joe Bear, people are who they are and that's who they are. Well, in contradistinction to that, if the Bible says anything, God is in the changing business. And that's not the nursery, what goes on there. He's changing people from the inside out through new birth. And it's not insta instantaneously we're new born again, but then the process of being made like Jesus, we call that sanctified, sanctification, it's lifelong. 
If you know Jesus as Savior, uh, you ought to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday, and the day before. We still sin, and we still sin every day. We shouldn't. That's our, that's our situation. Sinners welcome the church. That's where we belong, right? But growing in grace, we go like, God, you're changing me. I, I, I see how selfish I am, self-centered, prideful, how lustful. I'm a hater. I could kill people. You know, like, Lord, and you, and you feel like, Lord's tenderizing your heart as you feed on the word and, and daily search his word and pray. And you say, well, I'm becoming generous. And I love being generous. I love Bill Gates when he talked about he and his, uh, he and his wife uh, set up that Gates Foundation. And they, um, it was kind of a side interview. I just happened to read it. And, and Gates, though he was raised in Sunday school, he had to, he had to memorize uh, the Sermon on the Mount. If he did that, his uh, youth pastor from Seattle when he was a kid would, took the whole class, anyone who did that, to the New York's World Fair. Now, that was a long time ago, right? 64, was that 65? So you're like, what century was that? In? You know, like, and he did that. So he's got the word somewhere in there anyway. When he set up that foundation, and he's really trying to stamp out malaria, which is a blight in Africa and a lot of places around the world, uh, he said, I, I have found such, you know, he made all that money in that Microsoft machine. I am finding so much joy uh, in so many words in giving. That is like, he, I've discovered something brand new. Well, it's, it's a law that God has made. It's more blessed to give than receive. And as you grow in grace, you, you begin to tap in and say like, giving, giving of my time, giving my resource, helping, caring outside of myself. That's what the Lord Jesus did in totality when he left the glory of heaven. Philippians he gave himself. He who was wealthy, right? Consider the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he is rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we might become rich. Well, change, change. Well, it's a radical difference inside. Well, a few examples uh, illustrate this change than another Z-man, if you will. Zacchaeus. With one touch of the master's hand, this wealthy, despised, gross sinner, sinner's life turns ah, 180 degrees. And now he's headed the other way. You go like, well, and you know that poem, The Touch of the Master's Hand with the Old Violin, and he's a wonderful illustration of that. And so are you if you've come to know Christ the Lord as your Savior. And this is not an exception from cover to cover throughout the Word of God. God is in the change business. He's one of many. Well, sort of to punctuate his whole mission in coming. And the Lord is now moving into, we'll see here in a moment, the final weeks. As he's going to make his way up to Jerusalem. I must needs go to Jerusalem to suffer be abused, and to be killed. Right? I mean, there was a divine mission. He's right on schedule. He's going through Jericho, the city of palms. It was like, uh, do you like Florida? It's like a taste of Florida. Do you like, uh, I mean, palm trees down there in this, this area that's low, 
It's near the Dead Sea. It's below sea level. And it's a permanent pocket of heat and humidity with palm trees and date tree and all that. It's a beautiful place. On the intersection of some major Roman roads that uh, would enter. We didn't have airports, but the road system was all important from the east and the west and all that. And the chief, we're going to discover, is Zacharias was one of the chief IRS guys. He was the head honcho. And uh, a little different than our IRS situation, uh, but it was the Roman revenue system. And uh, he, being a Jew, uh, he was involved in that. And we're going to notice here to punctuate Jesus' whole mission and coming as the days are now coming to a close. And Dan read uh, 19 verse 10. That's the theme of the whole gospel of Luke. He summarizes in one sentence, verse 10, for the Son of Man came. Why? To seek and to save the lost. To punctuate that as if it were to underscore it three or four times and put it in highlighter. Uh, he saves a great sinner and he's a Z-man, Zacchaeus. And, and so I like us to consider then two essential elements of repentance seen in Zacchaeus' life that reflect genuine salvation in your life and mine. Salvation always results from the effectual calling. Always, always. Let me just say something about that. There's a general call to the gospel. That's why as you and I get busy and invite our friends and others to come, there's a general invitation given to all. Repent, believe the gospel, trust in Jesus. It's God's love for you, seeing it wrapped in a person. He died. You're a sinner. There's heaven, there's hell. And the gospel, a general call to repent and believe the gospel. All right, goes up. And it misses some here, and they go like, ah. Maybe, maybe not. Some manana another day. But some go like, what is, what's this? And they begin to feel a drawing. It's the Spirit of God drawing uh, and uh, in, will result uh, in an effectual calling that wherever one is called effectually by God through the Spirit of God, it always results in salvation. We see that wonderful description. We all know Romans 8.28 for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Well then when you look at 29 and 30 of that same chapter, verse 29, verse 30, there's a whole chain that's for those uh, who, who he, he called, those he, he, he justified. Uh, all those that receive this calling are saved, and we're going to see it in, in this Z-man here, Zacharias, that when Jesus calls him, uh, he's wonderfully saved 100% of the time. This Romans 8.30, you can check that out later. Uh, the first fruits, then, uh, of uh, salvation uh, are faith and repentance. The faith that you and I exercise, if you come to know Jesus as your Savior, maybe as a young person, maybe more recently, maybe last week, God gave you the grace to believe the gospel. I mean, it, it wasn't something you worked up. It wasn't something like, okay, I'm going to trust again. All of a sudden, you were blind, and it was like, now I see. And God touched you and gave you a new heart, and you believe the gospel, and you're like, Wow. Wow. And Zacharias, uh, Zacchaeus wonderfully illustrates that. Faith and repentance are the fruits of being born again. As Jesus nears the end of his work, like two bookends, uh, he illustrates 
both of these, that is faith and repentance, in this chapter, of uh, uh, chapter 18 and 19, in the city of Jericho. Remember when he was coming, we saw that a number of weeks ago, he was coming into the city, and there's a blind man outside uh, yelling out, he hears that Jesus is coming, right? He's not there yet. He's yelling out. He's blind. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God. Remember that? And he's calling out to him, and, and I'm looking at 18 verse 30, uh, 35, Jesus of Nazareth is passing, and he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. This man illustrates uh, uh, the faith. He had incredible trust that God had given him, that his his answer to his whole life, not only his blindness, but his life, was in Jesus, who was coming, and he exercises this trust, and the Lord stops there. They're, they're trying to shut him up. Shut up, shut up, shut up. You're an embarrassment to us. This beggar who was blind outside of town. We've got a, we've got, you know, <laughs> reminded me how terrible New York City. I, I heard the president was going to visit there uh, some time ago, and they went around, and they just kind of forced all the street people out of the path, out of the way, so that you're an embarrassment to, you know, the, the, uh, the city here. And so we just want everything to look really good. And we certainly don't want any street people hanging around when the president's uh, motorcade goes by. And, and, and here's, here's this guy outside. You can see it. And they're trying to shut him up. You know, like, like we got this, this major guy. He's a major rabbi out the Lord. Shut up. And, and the Lord hears him in the crowd. Faith. Now, he's in the city now of Jericho. And now, it's repentance is going to be punctuated here in this person of Zacchaeus. And it's a wonderful thing. It reminds us that faith and repentance are the fruits of being born again. And uh, to, to help punctuate, it's like he calls this gross sinner to himself resulting in his repentance. Well, the two essential elements of repentance that reflect genuine salvation in your life and mine, the first is confession. We discover genuine repentance always includes confession. There must be a full acknowledgement of sin. Confession. As Jesus made his final journey to Jerusalem to give his life as the Lamb of God, he purposely traveled through Jericho. He had several appointments with people. I love to think of it like that. You know, it's not a random bumping into. You know, well, I guess the Luke is just telling us that he just sort of moseyed in and, and sort of bumped into different... Do you know there's nothing random with God at all? There's nothing random in your life. You say, like, I think I was born in the wrong family. <laughs> I don't even look like the rest of them. You know, people say, there's nothing random at all about your life. There's nothing random about the people you work with. There is a God in heaven who reigns and his sovereignty rules over all. Psalm 103. Nothing random at all. And he's got, he's very aware of the time. He, he set it up originally from the foundation of the earth. The exact day he's going to be crucified. Three days later he's going to be raised. That's not random either. Do you, do you understand that? Even, even the distance from the earth, when you think of physical properties and dimensions and all of that, there's no randomness in any of it. This is the world that God made. It has form. It has free. It has, uh, uh, he is faithful to hold it together. It's routine, seven days, a calendar. Um, 
water. You know, <clears throat> in discovering, I, I was reading this lately, um, you, you know that for a life to be, there has to be liquid water, quite an abundance of it. And as sometimes you'll read about in astrophysics, they're looking for water anywhere, or, or what looks like it once was water and gouged out uh, caverns and all that and the planets and so on and so forth. You know, in all the universe, there's only, they call it a sweet spot, where uh, a, an object, a planet, uh, orbits uh, like a star. Because, uh, as you, you can think about it, uh, as you go too close, you don't have water, it, 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 it evaporates, right? Uh, and if you go just a little bit further away, it's solid ice, and uh, for it to have liquid water that sustains life. Do you know that you're mostly water? You remember that? You know, what is it, two-thirds or something like that, John? You remember? What is it? That was about like 90%. 90% water! <laughs> wow. Wow, they wonder if we've got polluted water or something, right? There, there's a new take on sin, right? Pollution, sin, wow. Anyway, in the sweet spot, there's, that's not random. So here he is, he's going in through Jericho. This is not random. This is the very plan of God unfolding. It unfolds in your life. That's all I'm saying. There's not a random. The length of your days, your gifts, your abilities, the privileges that you have to be born in this country. You're not born in Qatar that can... They can hardly meet and have worship, or you get kicked out, or thrown in jail, or Saudi Arabia, or other places, North Korea. But God has allowed us the privilege to be here, and we ought to think of it like that. Well, here he is. He's got some appointments from eternity past, and the text tells us, as Dan read, he was passing through. Jesus is passing through. You know, it's still true today. Today is the day of salvation. We too pass through. I mean, he was going to visit and pass through. I don't want to make too much of it, but really, it, 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 it does underscore in my mind the fact that God's call upon a man or woman, you can't assume that it will always be there. I heard a story this week about a man who was uh, uh, raised in a Christian family but rejected the gospel and lived a terrible life up to his 30s. And uh, he was somewhere... And uh, all of a sudden, uh, he, uh, the gospel, he knew the gospel, went right through his mind, and with such deep conviction, it hit that if he did not bend the knee right now, he would never hear the gospel offer to him again. And it so shook him up that he bent the knee and confessed Christ, and he has lived now these 18 months as a zealous witness for Jesus, that it would not come again. Now, that, really, that, that stuff really happens when people say, no, no, not today, no, no, if they don't act upon what they know. Jesus is passing through. And so are we, aren't we? Aren't we passing through? Have you noticed nobody stays? I mean, we're like, we, we don't live our, you don't own your homes. How many times do I say that? I know they say we do. No, you have to pay taxes on it. And you'll come and go, and they'll scrape it clean, and pretty soon, if the Lord does, no evidence that you ever lived. Even great men, Ecclesiastes is it. In a little bit of time, there's like, no, even if they name names a land after themselves and buildings and all that, gone forever. Don't you often wonder about the names of things? Who named it, all these things? Who named it, you know, this county? Who named it that? Sure, they were great men and women of days gone by, but who really cares? You know, like, who 
Florida. They're going, and maybe a little bit, let's change it again. Let's change this name of Harrisburg. Who's this Harris guy? You know, let's update it. We'll, we'll make it the Hartmanville or something. Or, you know, like, okay, I mean, it passes, right? It passes. And there's no evidence at all. Faith and I saw on 15 uh, the other, other night going down south, there's a, um, they put a hotel there. You go past the Hampton Inn on the right, there's a new hotel there. And then there was a building there, and it looks like it's dilapidated and falling down. And uh, they're going to get rid of it, I'm sure. And, I, and uh, not too many years ago, we had a junior-senior high school banquet there. It was catered. It was a wonderful evening. And I said, well, that was a special memory, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think David, it was part of David's deal, and our son David. And I said, you know what, they're going to, uh, that's going to be raised, that building's going down. It'll be scraped clean, and uh, there'll be no evidence that that was ever there, ever. And I said, you know what, that's our life. I'm glad there's a God in heaven who never forgets and keeps the record. When it's all scraped away and they go like, what was that? Who was that? I don't know. Never heard of them, right? We're passing through. Don't miss that. It's a wise man or woman who lives with that perspective. You'll make better choices. You don't get redos, you know? I want to redo. <laughs> Some of your golfers, right, Brenda? Can I get a mulligan on that? I'll take another. <laughs> I want to redo. You don't get a redo. You don't have days to throw away. You know, sometimes at school, we've said that, right, Jason? We said that you get a throwaway day or a mental health day. You don't get it. I mean, not really. You don't get a day to throw away. You may have to regather your, <laughs> your, your sanity and uh, something like that. But uh, you don't do. So we're passing through. Today is the day of so. Dr. Luke tells of this rich man, Zacchaeus, who desired to get a glimpse of Jesus as he walked through town. He's this wee little man. Little wee little man was he. He couldn't see, so he climbed a tree, right? We all know the song, um, at least most of us. And uh, uh, he was, the text tells us here in chapter 19, he's the chief tax collector. And he's very rich. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's uh, he's rich. Now, he's hated by his neighbors. On this major thoroughfare, uh, Roman roads, what, the, the, what they did, they didn't file the 1040s. They tell me, anyway, right, we were laughing about this the other day. That's a voluntary submission. Did you realize that? It's a voluntary, you voluntarily submit that. But, you know, if you don't submit it and they find out, they'll voluntarily put you in jail. <laughs> So I don't know which word to underline there. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like the IRS, right? Stephen could tell you he's 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 an accountant too. But um, it was uh, he bought that franchise from Rome, Zacchaeus, or he, he bought it from the guy who bought it, and he had to guarantee Roman government from that province so much money, and uh, he was going to get it one way or the other. And uh, if he got a lot more than that amount, he kept it. So he's really motivated for that commission. <laughs> so, and he's getting it. He's grinding in uh, his, uh, he's extracting it from his neighbors. Uh, not like a good neighbor, State Farms there. This guy's neighbors, they're like, like, 
they were just frothing at the mouth. You didn't have him over for like a memorial, a, a cookout. So, hey, let's have Zacchaeus. So he's a lot of fun, tells stories. You know, like, they hated him. So think how alone he was. He only hung around with other tax collectors. Uh, they were sort of like, you know, birds of a feather and, and rejected. Rejected group. And uh, they were the downcasts. They were the, uh, how about the expression, right? Tax collectors and... And, and what? Sinners, and it usually referred to the prostitutes. I mean, we're talking about the dregs of life here. And here he is, uh, as, as Zacchaeus. And uh, he wants a glimpse of Jesus. Um, and uh, why did he desire to see Jesus? That's a good question. Well, perhaps he had heard of several tax collectors who had been welcomed by Jesus. Namely, Matthew... Matthew had come from Capernaum. He was in the tax booth up there north of the Sea of Galilee. And, and uh, that was a major uh, trade uh, route and taxing uh, avenue as well. And, uh, and, and news travels, doesn't it? It's a small world. Don't have to go to Disney World to go through the It's a small, small, small world. My father used to say, if you want to meet your neighbor, go down to Disney. They're standing in line behind you. And that actually happened to him one time. It is a small world. And uh, now think of your, your different areas of work. A lot of times uh, you hear things in your certain areas and it just, whoo, travels. Pastors have a way of, of the, whoa, it just, you hear about this and that and that, this and this and that and that. And the world of tax collectors, and that's a small world. Now, now Levi or Matthew is one of Jesus' disciples, a former, perhaps it was that. I, how could that be? This rabbi have him part of his band of students? Uh, maybe, maybe um, uh, Zach, uh, Zacharias, or, <laughs> I'll get it right, and that's a Thursday. Zach, maybe Zacchaeus heard about Jesus' parable from the previous story uh, there with the tax collector at the temple where uh, he uh, humbly bowed his eyes, wouldn't even look toward heaven, remember that? And said, Lord Jesus, be, or, or God, be merciful. That's confession. Be merciful unto me, a sinner. And Jesus said in that uh, text, that man was heard. Maybe he heard that story. News travels and, uh, uh, and so on. And uh, maybe so. In any event, if a person begins to seek Jesus, you can know this for sure. It's God is drawing him. God is drawing. Otherwise, we run and hide. Don't we? We're great hiders. You know, we're all sinners, and we feel like, well, if people really knew how bad of a sinner they were, you know, they wouldn't accept me. You know, the reality is we're all sinners, and we all go hiding, right? We all go hiding, and God finds us, and we begin to draw him. We're, he's drawing us to himself. That's the story of the gospel. That's the story in my life and in yours. And the only reason this wealthy, hardened sinner, harder for a rich man who saved than a, for a candle through an eye of a needle, is because God is beginning to draw him. Jesus has an appointment with him for sure. And so he's drawing. Well, at the exact moment, notice again, timing is God's tool. It was Zacchaeus wasn't up the tree the next day. Oh, oh, I missed him. <laughs> you know, like, oh, rats, I'm always late. Wasn't there a week early? I said it last week. Write this down. God is seldom early, but he's never late. And that's true in your life and mine. Timing is the backbone of the Bible. Timing is the backbone of God's governance. You were born the exact moment God had desired you to be born. You'll live the exact moment. I mean, he is great and we're puny. 
get that and live in the, in, the, in the comfort of that, under the mantle of that. Right at the exact moment, Jesus stops, looks up, he had an appointment with this guy. Zacchaeus, you come down. You know, this little guy uh, met Jesus that day, didn't he? And uh, timing. Oh, I just, I could camp out and stay there. Uh, I could camp out and say, Jesus calls him by name. We don't see in the text, people say, hey, what's that little guy's name? Oh, that's, oh, oh, he's coming here. No, you, no. Zacchaeus. God knows us by name. He knows everything about us. He just shouts to us. Psalm 139. He knows your thoughts. He knows your days. He knows everything about you. And the Lord here just, Zacchaeus, you come down. Because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to stay at your house. Uh, the Greek word to stay is so much fun. It's, it's literally the word unhitch. Now in the West they'd like that because you unhitched your wagon or you unhitched your horses uh, to stay overnight. They went to the stable and this, you lodged there. And, and he says, I'm going to unhitch at your place today, tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to stay then at your house. How about that? That was a whole lot more than Zacchaeus would even think. He wanted just a glimpse. And he was going to get so much more from the Lord. The Lord was going to stay. And this is not neat. I remember when I first began to, God turned my heart to the gospel. I go, well, who is this Jesus? I listened to my blessed pastor teach. And, and then I asked my mother questions on it. She showed me from the Bible. I, got, I had a curiosity. I was being drawn to that. Now, I look at it and I said, well, what, what's the story? Well, and then he died. And why did he die? And, and, the, and I was looking. And I was looking. And I was like, what does all this mean? And uh, that the, well, my mother said, well, you're a sinner. You sin. And do you acknowledge that? And I go like, yeah, mom, I, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things, said things, uh, you know, that I know are not right, even as a seven-year-old boy. And as, as God was continuing to work in my heart, conviction of sin. He was drawing me to himself, to the cross. And then uh, I remember that next Sunday, the pastor wonderfully preached the, the gospel, and then he invited any and all to come, and God drew me, and, and I couldn't sit there. I had to respond to that. And I don't even know the man who prayed with me after, but he prayed with me a sinner's prayer. And I remember at that point, my life changed forever. God is in the change business. My family was out in the car waiting. I was maybe 20 minutes down in the little counseling room. And I prayed, and, and I'm not given the tears, but there were tears streaming down my face, and tears of repentance. And I felt clean from the bottom of my feet to the top, and the joy of my life, and I didn't know what was happening. I was just trying to take a look at who is this Jesus? And you know what I discovered? He came to live with me. He stayed with me. He unhitched. And I'm his and he is mine. And that's the gospel. And isn't it the greatest? Oh, it's the greatest. Oh, I, I love the Lord so much. And, and so do you. And it's all because of him and his timing. He knew a little boy at a little church a long time ago now. God's timing. Wow. Well, this little wealthy sinner is the picture of a sinner being converted.
He instantly obeys Jesus, hurries down the tree with joy, and he, Jesus meets his appointment. And you'll notice that the word faith does not occur like uh, it does with the blind man in the previous chapter on the outside of Jericho. But now, to punctuate this, it's repentance that is going to be emphasized. The blind man illustrates faith, trusting Jesus. This man, Zacchaeus, is going to illustrate the importance of confession in repentance. For he is going to confess Jesus and the repentance is so pronounced here, his life is dramatically changed. The word faith does not occur here, but his works reveal genuine faith. Don't they? It's James chapter 2 all over again. Man may say he has faith, but has no works. Can that kind of faith save him? And James, uh, the half-brother Jesus, I, I, I show my faith by my works, the things that I do, not to be saved, but genuine faith produces works. And Zacchaeus at that moment's wonderfully redeemed and his life illustrates. And two, he welcomes Jesus with joy. He got so much more than a view of Jesus. Jesus came to stay with him. It, a day to remember for sure. <laughs> a day to remember. Do you ever some of those days to remember? You know, our, our, my, do you remember some of the great days in life? We tend, they all kind of press between our memory, you know, like someone said wine. Wasn't that a song? Press between my memory. Something. And memories, memories. Oh yeah, that was it. Memories. And like only a few days really stand out, don't they? And hopefully, you know, in that, you get a little older and you lose everything, even name, rank, and social security number. You know, like, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's not good news. But it gets better after that, isn't that? There is an after that. And uh, a day to remember. I mean, can you, can, you, can you hear Zacchaeus talking for years? And Jesus came to stay in my house. Let me tell you about that. Wow. Has God moved in his life? Days to remember. Well, God is seldom early, but he's never late, and he came to stay with Zacchaeus. Well, the crowd grumbles. The, the Greek word is fun here. It's an onomatopoetic word. It means, the, to, to pronounce the word in Greek is ganguzo, ganguzo. Sounds like a grumbling, doesn't it? Ganguzo. The crowd, they're always mumbling. The world never gets it, right? They never get it. They never get it. Oh, the Lord has had a three-year ministry, and they still don't get it. They don't get it that the gospel is for sinners. The gospel is for outcasts. He goes and eats with sinners. Like, that's the worst thing in all the world. <laughs> like, they're not a sinner, and he is, and what? Oh, my, this is an unpardonable sin. They don't get it. Uh, he came to save, seek and save the lost. Now, to this complaint, bless his heart, Zacchaeus confesses now. He's going to make a confession of omission and then commission. Uh, then, and that's uh, repentance, genuine repentance always includes confession. He confesses his sins of omission. That is, he lacked compassion in helping the poor and the needy around. So much so that now he says that I will give up half of my wealth uh, for the poor. You see, prior to that, like you and I, before the Lord touches our heart and gives us no, he had a hard heart and could care less about people around him. He could care less 
and but God had changed his heart, his selfish, sinning heart, and he was going to enter into the joy, the blessedness of giving. I'll give up half of my wealth, and those are the sins of of omission. Uh, but further, he goes on to confess his sins of commission. He says, "If I have wronged anyone." You know, he is going to now make restitution, and he's going to go four times. Now, I don't want to teach a Greek class here, but this if, you know, if has several usages. In the Greek, it's real clear. Uh, if, can, uh, if can mean, uh, like in, in the top, uh, in your introduction on that second point, in a contrasting opinion, if the Bible teaches, do you see that there? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying like, yeah, I wonder if it does, or maybe it doesn't. But, abs but absolutely it does. But I'm just fr uh, framing it that way for emphasis sake. Well, that's a conditional use. It's a first class condition. It means it, it is real. It really does teach that God is in the changing business. But I put if there. Better translated, if you will, since. Since the Bible teaches that God is in the change business. Well, that's the same usage here that he says. Uh, it's a first class condition. Since I have wronged people, that's, uh, that's really the sense of it, this conditional if, then I will make it right. You know, restitution. So he confesses, and in restitution now, he's going to go to the furthest extent of the law in Numbers 5-7 uh, and make it right four, uh, fourfold sense. Amazing uh, restitution for the wronging of people. Wow. Genuine repentance includes confession. Confession. The Greek word, just so you know, is homologoia, simply means if we confess our sins. Homologoia. In other words, speak the same about it. What is confession? Do you go to the pastor? Well, if you wrong me, that's a good thing to do. If you wrong someone else, you should go to them. Uh, the Bible teaches that and say, what I did was wrong. I sinned against you. Uh, it's to speak the same about it. And so we go to God directly through Jesus and we go, Lord, your word is right. I'm a liar, a cheat, a philanderer. I'm a thief. I'm self-centered. I'm hard-hearted. I, I fear man and not you. All the whole list of sins. And we agree with God. It's true. And because of that, I deserve hell. God is holy. He can't even look upon sin. He's just. And what he does is right. And so I agree with God. That's confession. I go to him. And I confess my sin. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is the first essential element of repentance. But Zac Zacchaeus illustrates quickly the second element of repentance that reflects genuine salvation, and that is change. That's not dollars in change. That's change of life. Genuine repentance always includes change. After meeting the Lord Jesus or Jesus the Lord, you will never remain the same. Change is God's work in us, in the gospel, preparing us for heaven. Don't you love that? Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 learned it at an early age and have learned the reality through the years. Therefore, if any man, any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. That's that newness of heart and values. That's what God is doing within our hearts and lives. 
And I love that so very, very much. Change is God's work. In. Uh, Zacchaeus' life was changed. The gospel had captured him. Now he calls in verse 8, he's calling Jesus Lord. Curios, you, Lord. Another term in this case for, for God himself. Recognizes Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And now he belonged to Jesus. And as a living sacrifice, all that he had, everything, his life, his time, his resources, his abilities, were at the Lord's disposal. For now for him, Philippians 1.21, for him to live was now Christ. What a dramatic instant change. 180 degree change in this man's life who only wanted a glimpse of Jesus but Jesus had an appointment with him and miraculously saved him. And he does the same thing in your life if you have come to know Jesus by faith. Same thing. You could no longer be the same. God is in the changement. The crowd never quite understands. Maybe some in your family don't understand. That's a heartache and a pain. That's something that I've, I've lived with through the years, to be misunderstood. And uh, why is he always at church? And he's reading that Bible. And, and one time really hurt when someone, one in my immediate family, called me a Bible thumper. I go like, what in the world is that? That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, I, I, but I love the Lord. And he, I belong to him. And all that I have is his. And, and my breath, my life, increasingly I realize it more and more and more. And so should you. This, the change in him and in us is a miracle. It's God's miracle. Isn't that great? It's not us doing it. When you and I share the love of God with other people in big ways and so on, it's God who will save them. It's not your eloquence. It's not your sweet aroma or pleasing personality. We know it's not that, right? So <laughs> it's got to be God through his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. They hear the wonderful story of Jesus and God saves. And, uh, and that's what he's in. It's a miracle. It's never us trying to improve ourselves. That's impossible. It is God's calling that results in new birth. We receive a new heart in the process. Well, in verse 9, Jesus assures Zacchaeus that though he was once lost, now he's found and saved. And don't you love verse 9 when he talks about today, today salvation uh, it has come to, the, his, to this house uh, since he is also a son of Abraham. That is a son of faith. I mean, the crowd didn't understand, and the crowd is still, you know, and what Jesus said today gives them assurance. And I'm reminded, assurance of salvation is something that God does in us. You know, I'm always reticent when I pray a sinner's prayer with someone, and I have the joy of doing that. At the end, I don't say, well, now you're saved, and Satan's going to put doubt in your mind, and don't believe it for an instant. Uh, but you're always safe. Listen, we have no authority to do that. Now the Bible teaches that. It does teach all that incidentally as well. Satan will come. We know that from Matthew 13. Try and rob the seed that was planted. He will do that. He will tempt you and, and different personalities have propensities and weakness and more doubting and fearful and this kind of thing. And you may battle that. But here it is. It's Romans 8.16. It's the Holy Spirit of God who bears witness with our spirit individually that we are the children of God. It's God who gives that assurance uh, that you belong to him, that you're genuinely saved. And we see the Lord gives that to
to this sinful man. Because Jesus is going to pass out. He's going to go up to Jerusalem. He'll be out of Jericho. And, uh, you know, uh, Zacchaeus might have thought two days ago, who was that masked man? What was all that about? You know, and was that really, really real? You know how we are, right? What was that? And then he read the paper, you know, a few weeks later, he's crucified. And today, you're a son of, you're saved. You're a son of faith. You're, you, you are. And that assurance is so great. Well, and Jesus desires to make clear then his mission, doesn't he? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Verse 10. And dramatically illustrates this. He saved a man considered beyond saving. Zacchaeus. There's no hope for him. He's beyond. Have you ever thought about people like that? Somebody like, oh, they're too far gone. Uh, we go the other way. We think like, oh, that he's like a sports guy. He's well known. Oh, if God would ever save him, he'd do the church a favor. You know, like... <laughs> We, and we, we're all goofed up with that. And then we bring them in, and they're saved about three weeks, and we have them up front, and then they're stumbling all over the place because they're babes in Christ, and they still have a lot of the world in them, you know. And we go like, what do we have? How about the other side? You know, we go like, you know, they're too far gone. Now, Ted Bundy was like that, right? Remember Ted Bundy? I mean, he was at, uh, he got hooked into pornography down in Florida, and then he started... Uh, um, kidnapping these, these college girls and he carried out the you know, horrible sexual crimes and then killed them and he was on a, and finally they caught him and, uh, and then he was given the death sentence remember that and uh, I'll never forget uh, hearing um, Dr. Dobson's uh, interview with him it was a couple part uh, radio ministry interview with Ted Bundy uh, days before he was going to be executed and he talked about the release that he has found from all his horrific sin in Jesus. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I rejoiced in that, you know. I did, I rejoiced in that. That God would reach down in his mercy and save one like that. Zacchaeus was thought of just in the same venue in that town. Uh, he's hopeless. Hopeless. Uh, anyone ever say that to you? They thought that. You ever take math class and they're like, hopeless. <laughs> Your teacher, like, they'll never get it. They got their shoe off and they still can't add it up. You know, like, <laughs> hopeless. There's nobody hopeless. With God, all things are possible. And Zacchaeus illustrates that so wonderfully. One of the great verses in all the Bible. Turn to it. I, wanna, I, I love this so much. Preached on it a long time ago. But 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul reminds us this wicked church that was wonderfully saved at Corinth. Yeah, they, they, they reminds them from the pit where they came from. I mean, they're really sexually perverted and thieves and murderers and, and God comes in and saves them through the gospel through Paul's ministry and he reminds them of what they were and, and, and the change that's come about only because of God's work of the gospel like in Zacchaeus, like in your life here, here, uh, here he says the same thing he gives this whole list here and let's just pick up at verse 18 uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6 uh, uh, verse 9 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, that's the word pornea, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, any of these. He gives a whole litany of stuff. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11, don't you love it? And such were some of you. <laughs> I love it. But, but, you were washed. Thank you, Lord. You see. <laughs> God saves sinners. The gospel is for outcasts. It's for us. Oh, there's hope for everybody. It's one of the great verses in all the Bible. Well, here Jesus is the model Savior, isn't he? Zacchaeus is the model saint. Right? He, 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 what, what does he do? Faith, his faith, what, brings what? His faith in Jesus brings joy. It brings forgiveness, cleansing. It brings humility. Right? It brings generosity. It brings transformation. He was a little man with a big apology, wasn't he? Zacchaeus, another Z-man. Saved by God's sweet grace. Well, lessons for that. Number one, today Jesus wants you to do the, his work of winning the lost and the hopeless men and women that live around us. That's what God wants us to do. He wants you to do that. He desires you to do his will and to finish his work. The only question is, will you? Will I do that? Will you talk to others about Jesus? This week, ask the Lord to direct you some. Lord, lead me to some appointment that you would have. Consider it his appointment. You know, it's easy to do that. You know, it's the things that we love are easy for us to talk about. I love my grandchildren. I could ask me about them. I'll fill your ear and you think I lost my mind. I love my wife. You know, I love Grace Church. I love you. And I easily could talk. Things that we love. Some of you love football teams. I love the Bills. You know, it's been a long time in a dark cavern. You know? <laughs> But some of you uh, are, are uh, you love the Steelers, you know, and it's easily. I mean, you come in advertising it, right? Uh, into the house of the Lord. We ought to strip that stuff off and leave it before you come in. But that's all right. <laughs> well, you easily do that, right? You, <laughs> and uh, we talk about the things we love, don't we? And, and that's not a bad way to think about the gospel. Just share what you love about God to others. And don't feel you have to back the truck up and give them the whole deal at once. Don't do that. <laughs> they already can't figure you out anyway. They go like, maybe he's got, she's got something I don't have. And God uses that. So they want to take a look. Like Zacchaeus, want to take a look. And God will use that. Just perhaps use that to draw people to himself through you. And that Grace Church would see a greater impact. That's my prayer every week, every day. And I look for us to be doing the job better than what we're doing. <coughs> it's going to only happen when we're a burden and have a heart for lost people. Jesus uh, exudes that. What his point? To seek and to save the lost. Number two, if you are saved, be assured of this. God will change your life for the better from the inside out. He, he'll give you the power to do it. It's the resurrection power. And he'll, he's conforming you through the Spirit of God more and more and more. And, and if you could step aside and say, like, I can't believe it. Boy, I would have punched that guy in the face not too many years ago. But here I'm like, Lord, help him. He doesn't know you. I'm praying for him. He's like, what has happened? <laughs> the gospel has happened. That's what's happening. Now, you'll still see evidence of that flesh sometimes. Same to you, fella. Oh, Lord, no. I didn't mean that. Oh, help me. <laughs> 
but bit by bit. That's what he's up to. That's the gospel. I promise you, he's making you into the likeness of Jesus. True change is only possible with God. With God, all things are possible. And in that, you will become the person God made you to be. That's who God made you to be. Now, number three, true salvation always involves repentance. God gives a conviction of our, our gross sin. He calls us to agree with him by confessing it to him. Make your confession big to him. Do that. Don't, don't dress it up. He knows you're lying. <laughs> well, Lord, I think that's about all. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Lord, I don't know how you can stand me. Holy cow, it reeks. That's not a bad way to start. And then just kind of all the... Don't attempt to justify yourself. Well, I hit him, Lord, because. <laughs> you know. In humility, uh, name your sins to him. Name them one by one, we used to say, with blessings. Uh, and then confession should be a daily part of your life. Luther said the Christian life is a life of confession. I, I, I'm finding that to be true. Such a godly discipline will keep your heart tender. It can easily get hard and calloused. I, it, that, that cold wind of callousness scares me sometimes. And that's why in the morning, Lord, tune my heart to sing your praise. Number four and last, your life must be changing, going to be like Jesus. If not, it's a great indication that you're not saved. You know, you go, for, go to a doctor and he'll check your vital signs, you know. And that's, you know what I'm getting at here. You know, that do your, do your blood and your pulse and your heart and pressure and, and look at me, see your eyes. I don't know what they're looking at. I think the reflexer or something. And then they'll do it. They'll show all that little hammer. And you're like, oh, I didn't mean it. Oh, oh, short-circuiting the nervous system, you know. Vital signs. And uh, they're trained in... To, same thing here. Your life must be changed. They're vital signs of real life. And if not, you need to really seek the Lord and say, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my God. And he will save you and your friends and family to the uttermost. For God came to save and to seek sinners in Jesus. And if you do that, like Zacchaeus, you too will say, lost, what? No more. Lost, no more. Father, thank you so much for this, uh, this account and all that it has. We just began to scratch all that you have here. It just gives us such great hope, Lord, and joy that we are your project and you're changing us and it's you and us. You're working in us both the will and the do of your pleasure. Thank you for your timing in our life. Thank you for each other and the fellowship uh, of grace in our family here. We thank you for that. Burden our hearts, Lord, uh, to carry out your mission to those, even this week. Pray upon our hearts somebody, even right now, that we can simply share the love story of God for us and share our testimony. Oh, Lord, we pray. Use Grace Church in the closing days of this era to be a testimony for Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please stand and join us as we sing I Love You, Lord, real briefly.